Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, which means it is time for our strange news segment. There's some scandal at the post office, and... Don't worry, folks. This is not the U.S. Post Office for the first time in a long time. That's the subject of scandal. Uh, TikTok is in uh, what may be a little bit of hot water. And uh, there may be a new Heaven's Gate on the rise. Uh, this, This story in particular about a group called Love as One, this stood out to me because I know we've got a lot of folks in the crowd who, like me, kind of monitor cults before they hit the news in a big way, before something terrible happens to them. Uh, Would you guys be okay with starting with that story today? Absolutely. Yes, I'm always looking for a new group to join. I love making friends, and I look forward to learning about this one, Ben. We still, we had a great thing going with that earlier cult. I want to thank you again for being the messianic figurehead there, Matt. I I think we made a lot Mm -hmm. of progress in the space of a seven-minute video. (laughs) You know what? Matt, speed to you, sir. 
And Matt, speed to you, my friend. Uh, so everybody probably is at least a little bit familiar with the tragic story of the Heaven's Gate cult. Back in 1974, they were founded as a new religious movement with a lot of UFO ideation. And this was a cult that had this ending point. They believed that after the Hale-Bopp comet zinged past Earth, uh, there would be a number of spacecraft coming to retrieve the fateful. This unfortunately led to a mass suicide as members of the movement took their own lives in an effort to join those extraterrestrial craft that they thought they thought they would meet them in an immaterial or different form. That occurred in October of 1996. Stories like these are unfortunately not unique in the world of new religious movements, which if you're ever talking to someone that you think is in a cult, new religious movement is more like is the more diplomatic way to describe their organization. Because as we know, as we've learned from uh, correspondence over the year, in fact, <laughs> uh, a lot of people don't like the C word. Uh, they might even dislike it more than the other C word that we refer to here in the U.S. Conspiracy theory? No, that would be CT. I really thought you guys were going a different way with that. Yeah. CT is a common abbreviation, though, for conspiracy theory, if you're ever reading oh, something surprising right. on a forum. But they both accomplish the same thing. Like a cult is a term that is used to kind of neg whatever comes after it. Like if you're referring to someone's belief system as a cult, uh, then you are inherently judging it and applying certain criteria to it that are inherently negative. In the yeah. same way as a conspiracy theory is used in that way. Yeah, in the modern parlance, those could be those could both qualify as what are known as thought terminating cliches. Our story for, I, I found this when I was reading some local papers in the Pacific Northwest uh, for a different thing. But our story begins with a report from the Mount Shasta News. This is a local paper in the area. And they had a headline that really caught me. It said, spiritual group compared to Heaven's Gate cult is planting roots in the Mount Shasta area. This came out today as we record, but the group itself was familiar to me from some other reading. They have a really interesting name. They're called Love Has One. Uh, it's odd to choose that past tense for the name of a new religious movement, but it happens. Points for Creativity. It is led by a person named Amy Carlson. If you are familiar with the cult, you might not know her as Amy Carlson because she is referred to as Mother God uh, by her followers and her lover or her partner, whomever it may be at the time, is also automatically referred to as Father God. So at this time, Mother God, Amy Carlson, to everyone outside of the movement, is about 44 years old. Here's what the followers believe. They believe that she has been reincarnated hundreds and hundreds of times. They also believe that she has been in contact with Robin Williams since he passed away in 2014. That's just one of the beliefs that outsiders will point to as uh, the, the more bizarre part of the story. Uh, specifically, the mission of this religious movement is to follow Carlson because one day uh, she will lead 144,000 chosen people into a new mystical fifth dimension. 
Uh, she has also said that uh, former U.S. President Donald Trump was her father in a past life. They had a great relationship, in case anyone is concerned. Uh, there's something that happens a lot with these kinds of movements, uh, which is there's a growing discrepancy between the narrative offered by the former members of the organization and the narrative offered by the spokespeople of the group. This is something we're familiar with anytime you talk about movements that are, you know, that have this level of controversy. Scientology is, of course, the easiest example, but I promise you there are numerous examples out there. Uh, Mother God claims that she has been trying to save humanity for 19 billion years, which is interesting because what we know of current science shows us that humans were probably not around 19 billion years ago. Uh, you can see an episode of Vice about them. Uh, it's the first episode of a series called False Gods. And you can see the allegations of um, the allegations of mistreatment and abuse in this religious movement. Uh, so far, I haven't been able to find anything that's as egregious as um, some of the other things that we know cult movements do. Like, I haven't found any fatalities. I haven't found, uh, I, I haven't found extreme injuries, but I have seen videos of uh, Carlson that show her verbally abusing people, screaming at her followers, abusing animals, uh, having children locked in the closets for being kids. You know, that's that's one thing that a lot of a lot of cult like movements do is they, you know, they punish people through their children. It's enormously effective because that's one of the closest relationships a human being has. There have also been allegations that members are underfed. They're never paid for their work. Uh, they're never allowed to sit down. And although the movement itself like if you if you hear what the spokespeople say, the movement itself is um, maybe a little bit more on the hippie side, but in general, they seem like really nice people who just happen to believe something different. Uh, but everything the the everything the survivors of the cult are describing is troublingly close to the guidelines we made in our earlier video about how to make a cult. They're brainwashing people. They're regimented, their free time is gone, relationships are broke down. Uh, we also see that some cures have been promised to people, and these cures are things like uh, you can talk to Mother God on the phone, and through that phone conversation, she can cure cancer. Uh, we also see a little bit of a Hubbard-esque thing here, because Hubbard would not allow you know, drug and alcohol abuse, but he didn't practice what he preached. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got, I'm going to, can I take a tangent really quickly and get right back to here? Please do. Absolutely. Okay. We, we had a listener voicemail that I just heard. I went through a couple of them today and someone left a message asking us if we knew anything about a bet L. Ron Hubbard made with some other person at a bar about mm -hmm. whether or not he could begin a religious movement that would function as a tax haven and bring him great wealth. Okay. Um, I, I had, on the nose, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I had not heard 
you know, I've not seen any evidence of that. I mm-hmm. think if there were evidence of that that was, you know, blatant or, or just out there in the public sphere, then that would be a big issue or it would be just completely, you know, mm-hmm. denied and, and pushed away. But uh, anyway, just putting that out there. I've heard that. I've heard a couple of versions of that anecdote enough to convince me that at least several times in conversation, he had made statements about, you know, why, about how the the real money was in not writing fiction, but in starting a religion, right, for the tax purposes mm-hmm. and other uh, other side benefits of being a religious figure that we've named earlier. So we know we talked about in conversation as far as a specific bet uh, I am not aware. I haven't found proof of that, but I've heard that story before. I just don't, I, I haven't found a good source for that yet. Uh, but maybe it could have happened. It does seem a little, you know, very much in his character, being kind of a blustery, uh, braggadocious figure, right? I could see him like say, hey, look what I'm going to do. Or, or no, to your point, Ben, just kind of bragging about how this is a brilliant idea that no one else has thought of. And to be fair, I mean, he pulled it off in a much more uh, outlandish form than just about any other figure of his type has uh, in recent in recent uh, time. So we see some parallels uh, in. Scientology in the world of Scientology, and L. Ron Hubbard in specific. Uh, but again, we see a lot of parallels in these types, this genre of religious movement in general. You know, when it, when it comes down to the psychological aspects of most new religious movements, they're not very different at all. You know, there's a Mad Lib mythology right, where you can slot in one thing, slot out another. Uh, But when it comes to how people are treated, uh, it's often going to be the same um, negation tactics. You want to diminish people. You want to make them feel uh, less than and that you're their only hope. And you want to find, like, little, little things that you can use to, to, like, try to make them feel as though they are somehow inferior. And the sad part about these sorts of approaches is, Unless someone is expecting them, if they make the mistake of trusting you, then they can be effective. And this this goes into another commonality that we should probably talk about a little bit. Like Heaven's Gate comparisons, those are a good headline grabber, but they lead us into, I would argue, a conversation about language. Language is another wall you put up around a group to isolate them. And uh, Matt, this is something that stuck out to you as well, right? Yeah, the the language of groups, I think, is something that I end up harping on a lot of the time, and I'm sorry to do so to everybody who's getting tired of this conversation. No, we've, <laughs> we've been having iterations. <laughs> I I love this. You're, I mean, I know I'm not the audience member here, but you are speaking my language. Get it? Oh, okay. So if you go to lovehasone.org, which is this organization's website you can see a lot of stuff here about mom herself it even says about mom in one tab there's another tab that you can click on that says 5d updates and if you go here you can read your you can see what i'm talking about this is just some of the language that's used on the website and specifically i'm talking about the phrasing here stuff that is maybe insular to the group, as well as what appears to be urgent messages 
that have consequences. So, so failure to take action feels like it has a consequence. So let, let's just talk about this. Okay, so here we go. It says planet Earth equals heart is ascending. We are finishing, as you said, Ben, a 19 billion year mission. But notice this. They are finishing a 19 billion year mission. Mm-hmm. Are you getting the codes? I'm not getting the codes, guys. I don't know about y'all. So far, I haven't gotten them. It says, do you read the daily updates that will allow you to prep a bit more for what's coming? Hmm. That sounds a lot like the contract that you enter into when you uh, become a Scientologist. Isn't it a billion-year contract or something like that? Yeah, but this is up in the game to, to 19, or at least it's been happening already. Well, But I love that it's a mission instead of a contract. I think that's interesting. So obviously the code is up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A. I think we can <laughs> all agree on that one. Don't the, forget start. Don't forget start, Ben. So the the um, the interesting distinction here, I would say, is that this is what's drawing the Heaven's Gate comparison, that by their own official statements, they are at the end of the mission. What does the end of the mission mean? Is this... Um, is this in some way baking in its own finishing line? And if so, what happens when you cross that finishing line? It's it's dangerous um, because, and there are you know there are places like Cult Watch and nonprofits that try to keep an eye on these things. But the the issue is that when you join an organization like this, you are brought in through a series of very well thought out strategies, you know, like the infamous love bomb where people tell you that you're the greatest and then you start getting support that maybe you never had in your pre-cult life. Uh, And then you start, the cracks begin to show, right? You see that there is a, a careening abuse problem here. Apparently there are uh, the, there are multiple reports of abusive behavior and drinking. Uh, and another thing that has some observers worried about this possibly going sideways is that Carlson's health is in decline. Uh, we also don't, authorities don't know her location either. So she's kind of going off the grid. Uh, and when you have a messiotic figure like this, when they decide that their life is ending, sometimes their teachings change in a way that isn't always great. Or when they decide their organization is ending, uh, these change in a way that isn't always great for the followers. Right now, this is very small. I I think they have 20-something full-time members. So this is a very close insular group. But it's something that I wanted to bring attention to today because uh, fellow conspiracy realists, the, there are so many more groups like this in the U.S. and abroad than you might believe exist. Uh, there are cult deprogrammers who have tried to put this in the perspective of the larger context of, of modern new religious movements uh, in the West. But... The problem here is you can't really predict what's going to happen. Uh, The full-time followers are all over 18. They're legally adults, so you can't stop them uh, from following this person that they believe is their mom. The leader phrases it in a very, um, well, it's not supposed to sound threatening. Let me just read the quote. 
that she says in one of these videos. Let me know what you all think. Uh, she says, this 534th reincarnation is her, quote, quest to recover my beloved planet, the center of the universe, and the first planet I created. Uh, the planet is ascending, and you need to reconnect with the prime source creator, me. Yeah, wow. she does say that. Uh, that's a quote they've even got on... Dr. Phil. ...on their website when you click on About Mom. So, like, it. this is her quote. Uh, yeah. Oh, and did you did you read about the dark forces kidnapping my planet? Is that did you read uh, that part? We haven't read that part yet. So, uh, apparently, <laughs> Mother God has had it up to some metaphysical here with dark forces kidnapping uh, her planet and her children, and that's what brought her to reincarnate in the flesh. Again, you know, your spiritual beliefs are your own, and I. We're not fans, I'm not a fan, definitely, of people telling you what to believe. So do as you will as long as you're not hurting someone else. But the problem here is this situation looks pretty unsustainable. So so at this point, uh, the residents of Mount Shasta are worried. Uh, some family members of people who have joined the movement are worried. And the things that people who have left the movement are saying absolutely do not match what is being presented on their official website or by their spokespeople. I can't help but think of the uh, Futurama villain, Carol Miller, who is the CEO of MomCore and is known as Mom. Um, and I looked uh, I looked this character up because I was making sure I wasn't like totally making this up. Uh, but on the Wikipedia Villains Wiki, um, the quote that that uh, sets off the the Mom page on uh, on this wiki is: "Children, your old mother won't be around forever. And just once before I die, I'd like to be supreme overlord of Earth. So rebel, my little ones, and conquer the planet, conquer Earth, you bastards. Let the bloodbath begin." Oh man, no! I feel like I remember that. Maybe I'm not. I'm not sure though. I'm gonna have you to go back. You don't remember mom? I don't. I don't know. I may not. She, she has a weird like uh, hairdo that kind of looks like uh, Gary Oldman's Dracula in the oh. uh, in the Dracula movie that yeah. uh, people were sort of on the fence about. Mom, she's she's anyway. She's one of the big bads in the in the Futurama universe. Mm. But um, I think it's interesting that there's a cult leader going by mom. Wow. Okay. Well, I will definitely check that out. Uh, I will say one last thing here from Mother's quote. Uh, this is feels weird to me. I think I understand what they're saying, maybe, but take it as you will. She's talking about that prime source creator, uh, the thing that Ben mentioned. So she is that. But there's a sentence after it, and it says, so that you can ignite your light bodies and can protect you again. Okay. I mean, I'm interested to know what that means, igniting your light bodies. I, I have a visceral reaction to it, Ben, almost mm -hmm. like fire. But mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's not just maybe that's that word ignite. It's a little but, vague. Uh, it is vague, right? Well, I bet if you pay your way up enough in the organization, you'll find out more. So I would file this under keep an eye on it. I hope this does not become another heaven's gate. But of course, it is unfortunately difficult to tell all too often. If you are listening to this and you have uh, experiences with what you later learned was a cult, we'd love to hear from you. one 833 conspiracy at iHeartRadio. Uh, and if you or a loved one are struggling to extricate yourself 
from a movement like this, if you feel is bad for you psychologically, spiritually, or physically, please remember that there are resources available to help you leave these harmful organizations. If harmful to you, they are. I would recommend cult-escape.com. But as always, can't wait to hear your stories. Stay safe out there, folks. Uh, We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and we'll return with more strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. All right, and we're back, and we've got another, uh, it's sort of an update in an ongoing saga of a particularly popular and controversial app. It's particularly popular with the kids, but uh, during COVID, I sound like a grandpapa when I say things like uh, the that. The kids and my wife. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's really it's, other adults. It, it started with the kids. Influencers, creepy dudes. <laughs> <laughs> that guy that reads the news, Noel. You know that guy that reads the news. He says, today, the weather people decided that weather was bad. Do you remember him? 
I don't know this guy. Okay, sorry. I believe sorry. you. I believe you. Um, it, it started mainly with the kids. I remember, I know this because my kid was super into it back when it was called Musically or music.ly. And then they rebranded. And then, you know, a little thing called COVID hit. Uh, and it, it took these, like, you know, dance reenactment, lip sync, comedy type videos to keep people from going insane. So you're right. Everybody joined the fray. Uh, and now TikTok, which is a Chinese owned company, the parent company ByteDance, um, is massive. It's ubiquitous. I think it has something in the neighborhood of like hundreds of millions of users, 800 million users worldwide. Uh, And apparently quite a chunk of that is in the UK. It is particularly popular in the UK with around 200 million um, users in the UK alone. And today's story is specifically about how some folks are not super happy uh, about how TikTok is um, behaving towards children in terms of their privacy. We know that TikTok's gotten some flack and even like you know the trump administration practically went to war with tiktok potentially threatening a policy that would have outright banned them um got kids interested in politics real quick um and that ultimately ended up not going anywhere there was i can't quite remember you guys might 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 know uh, more than than i'm recalling at the moment how did they end up kind of mitigating that. I know there was a thing where they were going to get bought out by Microsoft as their U.S. presence, but I don't think that exactly happened. And I kind of just remember that story fizzling, but they must have done something. Uh, It's been difficult to find actual news about TikTok because there are so many clickbaity articles that are written about TikTok on an hourly basis. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I I just found one. It's all about the kind of the plans that TikTok had for an IPO, plans that they had with Oracle and Walmart and all of those, the sale and all that stuff with the kibosh that the Trump administration put on it. Apparently, with the new administration under the Biden administration, they are they're holding that sale or whatever that uh, transaction was going to be for security concerns. So they're still holding on to it and not allowing any movement forward right now. For now. Okay. Because, and, and just to, sorry not to derail, but um, that was as a direct result of these concerns over Chinese influence uh, of this app being in some way insidious and targeting our children and having some sort of direct line uh, with this data that it's collecting. As we know, the apps are secondary. Um, The product is actually data mining and data collecting. And TikTok is pretty egregious about their data collecting practices. Um, There have been a few lawsuits already where they've been fined pretty large amounts of money, at least as far as, you know, mortals like like we are concerned, but a drop in the bucket when you think of how many billions of dollars they made during COVID and how many users they have. But all of these stem from privacy concerns, that they are taking data from underage users. Uh, it does say you have to be 13 to, to sign up, but they uh, there is a claim in a $92 million settlement for um, 
from uh, as a class action suit uh, that they were using underage uh, users' data um, in an irresponsible way, including biometric data, mm. which is, you know, to get all those crazy filters, you got to scan faces and all that stuff translates into, you know, uh, metrics that can then be stored and used and paired with other data that they are mining. And they claim that they don't use it in any kind of nefarious way, but that's kind of up for debate, right? Yeah, to walk back the um, because you, I think you asked a question earlier about Microsoft's. Bid. I did, I yeah. did. Yeah, the Oracle, what happened with that? Yeah, Oracle was chosen uh, back in September 2020 to be the technological partner for the U.S. Uh, for the U.S. endeavors, and TikTok is a huge deal here in the U.S. It's like Vine. You know, as far as its popularity level, I would say it's surpassed Vine. Uh, you could argue mm -hmm. any number of reasons for that. But I think um, the the payout you're talking about or the proposed settlement um, came from that's like 89 million TikTok users in the U.S. Is that correct? Yeah, and then the, and the, the funny thing is it was actually halted. It's at a bit of a stalemate right now because a judge argued that a $92 million class action settlement was just absolutely insulting to individual users because they said if like even like 2% of, of uh, potential class um, members responded, that would be something like six bucks uh, a piece, you know, um, for, for each one of these individuals, which is not enough to buy a Starbucks coffee, uh, which was uh, what the judge said in this case. Um, wow, that's, yeah. That wouldn't make sense. <laughs> that guy's getting the fancy coffee. Well, isn't it, isn't it interesting, though, because it sort of calls into question, like, the nature of lawsuits. Like, is it really, like, I mean, a class action lawsuit is still something that sort of boggles my mind at times. And so there's a lot to it. And you have to be, you have to, you know, opt in. But it's like, is it about punishing the company? Even if they are awarded, like, uh, you know, a, a free lunch, is that really, like, making amends for being betrayed, technologically like uh, it seems like a little bit of splitting hairs to me like is it uh, you know it should be about the largest amount of settlement for the uh infraction that the company you know supposedly has, has made and I, I don't see how a coffee versus you know a, a nice lunch is is, is going to really make all that much of a difference uh, meaningfully to, to individual users yeah well it's great for the legal team and then <laughs> i mean they make a ton of money <laughs> off the class action and then if you consider uh, class action for things that have health concerns or environmental regulations uh, that have been violated, then a class action lawsuit is a very important piece of changing legislation such that, you know, That's say right. uh, people can get uh, their medical claims supported, right, in the case of widespread contamination or that uh, the company can get in more actionable trouble. I'm saying, like, I see what you're saying, class action lawsuits like this. Anybody who's involved, who ever been involved with one or you get that letter in the mail where it's like you might be eligible for a piece of this insert million dollar here settlement, uh, that does usually translate to a very small takeaway amount for a lot of people, especially big things like when a bank has compromised millions of people or hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's data. It's uh it's not necessarily going to help repair the damage done to the end user. So the best thing you can say about a lot of class action suits is that it is paving the way for actionable consequences for those companies. But you're absolutely right. I don't think an extra totally. cup of coffee is going to help someone if their personal data has been stolen. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. We're, I think we're definitely on the same page. And I'm, I, I, I'm now getting to the new thing. I wanted to establish those precedents. Thank you, Ben, for clearing up that whole uh, kerfuffle with the, you know, with the Trump administration, because it really was quite a big deal. It was a huge news item, and they really had to scramble to make that thing. And it really felt like a almost more like a symbolic gesture. Uh because it does seem as though there are still major concerns with the way uh, TikTok is using user data. This new case comes uh, from a, a woman named Anne Longfield, who uh, used to be uh, used to uh, have the role uh, of children's commissioner for England, which is a role that we don't really have an analog for here exactly uh, in the government. And what it essentially is is someone whose job is to advocate for children's rights, which sounds great because, you know, I think maybe we, we sometimes don't think about children uh, having uh, as many rights as adults sometimes, which I guess in theory they don't. But there are uh, things where this kind of conversation really matters, and this is one of them. Um, she is advocating for a, there's no actual number on it yet, but a potential billion-dollar lawsuit against TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, um, for what she refers to and she deems as shadowy, sinister, and uh, if I may, you know, put some words in her mouth, she's really talking about what she considers something of an evil practice, or at the very least, completely duplicitous and dishonest. Um, her lawyers are alleging that TikTok has taken children's personal information that includes phone numbers, um, geolocation, geotags, you know, to know, to kind of like get a sense of their their movements. Because I mean, obviously, you make these things at all kinds of places. You make them at stores. You make them at your friends' houses. You make yeah, it really is a good way to tell exactly what uh, your your movements are. Um, biometric data, like we talked about, videos, phone numbers, because it it, it uh, connects up to your um, address book. You know, so you can send uh, you know these things directly to folks. Um, or invites, or I'm not sure exactly. I, I don't have a TikTok account personally, but um, I could probably get all this info from my from my daughter. But alleges that these practices do not include a sufficient uh, warning, uh, a sufficient access to any kinds of terms of services, and that the and the most importantly, um, th th don't require consent from the parents of minors, which is you know what's at issue here. She has a statement saying uh, the following. TikTok is a hugely popular social media platform that has helped children keep in touch with their friends during an incredibly difficult year. However, behind the fun songs, dance challenges and lip sync trends lies something far more sinister. Um, she calls the company uh, a data collection service that is thinly veiled as a social network, but which is deliberately and successfully deceiving parents. So, you know, of course, ByteDance, the TikTok's parent company, um, had a uh, understandably but patently um, diplomatic and kind of non-response um, saying that privacy and safety are top priorities for TikTok and we have robust policies, processes and technologies in place to help protect all users and our teenage users in particular. We believe the claim uh, claims lack merit and intend to vigorously defend the action. So um, there it is, really. It's really just kind of an update. There are some other uh, kind of precedents for this um, that are still being hung up in the Supreme Court. There's a there's a there's a case that Miss Longfeld in particular or Longfield, who you know is, is kind of spearheading this, has been keeping a close eye on, uh, and it is one brought uh, by 
uh, Richard Lloyd, who is the director of a child advocacy group called Witch question mark. Um, and it's behalf. Well, it's, it's really not a privacy advocacy group rather, uh, but he filed a, a suit on behalf of 4 million iPhone users alleging that they were illegally tracked by Google. Um, and that case was, uh, was, was brought in 2017, but still hasn't had a, you know, a, a conclusion. Uh, and it is due to be heard by the Supreme court relatively soon. So that's one to keep an eye on. And if that goes South, then this case doesn't have much merit. Um, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Hmm. Got it. It's fascinating because, you know, there, there are multiple concerns here. Everybody who is a guardian or parent of a, of a child who's listening in the audience today, you know, there are hard conversations to have with your kids about how public a kid should be. You know, many people listening today did not grow up in an age where their parents had, you know, a Facebook or, or some other profile on a platform where they could put pictures of you since infancy. You know what I mean? Like this, the boundaries of expectations uh, for privacy have been, I would say, pretty much completely eroded. We've talked about it in the past, but when it comes to something like TikTok, we see, you know, the questions about who your children are interacting with online. And I don't mean to fear monger, but these are really important questions. Like who is, who is seeing them? What are they possibly learning about these other users, you know, how does the abyss stare back, right? How does the facial recognition come back to bite you in a few years' time? Uh, there, there are serious concerns. And it may sound, this is an important point. Um, one of the reasons I really appreciate you bringing this to the show today, it seems on surface like it could be really racist, if like racist and somewhat nationalistic for people to uh, start saying, oh, China is so bad. They're out to steal stuff about when your kids are at McDonald's or whatever. But the the fact of the matter is that Chinese espionage in the world of tech is a very real and proven thing. So the previous administration definitely had a bad habit of trotting out China whenever they wanted to, A, get away from their own bad domestic press, or B, uh, distract from another issue, make something not their fault, et cetera. But of course. These, these concerns are real. They they are real. And we even, I mean, look, it's the kind of thing that would be really good fodder for like a science, science fiction story. Like we even talked about this in a previous uh, either Strange News or I can't remember w- w- which uh, segment it was, but the idea of what if there are like some kind of like subliminal messages encoded in TikTok videos or something. It's like, it is the kind of thing you could take to the extreme, especially when you uh, think about like how... Um, what a, what a country like China would have to gain from having access to all these kids and access to all this data. Uh, and that's why I think the Oracle deal was so important because we required sort of assurances that this stuff wasn't being just sold to third parties without anyone's knowledge uh, or used for any kind of, you know, nefarious purposes. But you're right. It absolutely has the potential. And I'm joking about the subliminal messages, but I, I would love to see a short story with that in mind. I think it's a really fun idea um do um, not think that is happening have you not seen some of the swift talk i look if you guys have never perused swift talk i highly recommend uh, anyone out there listening and or watching on their phone right now check out swift talk get swifty with it check out the <laughs> hidden messages that can be found in all of taylor swift's music social media <laughs> posts and or uh, i don't know 
messages that she sends throughout the universe without us even realizing in the moment. Britney Spears and Taylor Swift are really just doing Darren Brown's act with some music, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She's on another level if you believe a lot of the most popular Swift talk uh, folks. And it's, it's really interesting stuff. Wow, this is news to me. I do know that the Swifties are a, a very particular breed, and you definitely don't want to cross Taylor Swift uh, with them around because they'll come yeah. I'm at saying, you. do not ever do that. No matter who you are, or where you are, or what you're doing, just know that it's fascinating, and you can uh, learn a lot about it. Well, I'm going to dig right into that uh, while we take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, and then return for potentially some Swift talk, but definitely some more strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. All right, welcome back. 
for more strange news guys there really is a person on tiktok and i cannot think of his name he is amazing he just deadpan reads a news story and or tells you exactly what's happening he does not look away he tells you exactly what's occurring right now the scientists will not allow the vaccine to occur they will <laughs> it is one of the most wonderful things i've ever seen but is it, uh, is it better than david lynch reading the, the weather doing the weather yes report? Okay. yes because okay. this guy just does it he doesn't let up until he's finished telling you exactly what he's telling you and then he's gone wow i think his name is or i Chris, guess until the next TikTok actually place. he was in oh, the really? real times i think so awesome I I, whoever may, it is diana showed me a couple of videos of him and i loved it okay but chris is not here right now we are and that's why we're going to tell you about a little thing that's happening out in the united kingdom and has to do with ye old post office we have discussed the post before on this show, generally regarding the United States when it comes to several of the major issues that our country's post has been dealing with. Well, today we're going to talk about the, the British Isles and what's going on with their post office system. And particularly, we're going to be talking about a point of sale software, essentially. That's really what this story is about. The machines that are used to, you know, put a credit card in, make a payment, do some kind of transaction from a client, a user, just any person walking in to send something via the post and the post office itself. We're going to the BBC to look at an article titled Post Office Scandal, What the Horizon Saga is All About. Remember that word horizon? It's going to be very important. <laughs> Apparently... There were some bad things occurring at the post office, <laughs> the post office being all of the post offices across the United Kingdom uh, between 2000 and 2014. So 14 years there. And a uh, spoiler alert, they continued after 2014 and are still happening right now. Uh, but we're going to get into that. <laughs> right. So <laughs> for 14 years, uh, there appeared to be some situations with balancing the books at specific post offices. So imagine just the post office that's down the street from wherever you are. Let's say if you're in London, your, your section of London or your neighborhood, that post office. Now imagine all of the transactions that are occurring over a, a quarterly, a monthly basis, maybe even a daily basis. All of that stuff is you is done through one of these computers, one of these terminals that's there, and all of that information, all that money in, money out, you get an end-of-the-day number, essentially, how much the post office made or lost. And what was occurring at a ton of post offices around the UK is that those numbers were showing that the post office was losing money. And because of that, there were 736 what are called sub postmasters which are just people that run a specific post office which sounds way more like a position in a bdsm club than it is <laughs> sub postmaster oh boy oh wow like so it's really low it's like the base <laughs> or wait is a post like a physical post involved i mean you know we're not the experts <laughs> or is that here. just euphemism <laughs> This might be a different strange news or listener mail. Again, 1833-STD-WYTK. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so 736 individuals, people who were running these post offices, were prosecuted. 
because those numbers were different, right? And it seemed as though the, the individual post office was losing money, but it was just money that was gone. It wasn't as though uh, they had spent more money than they were making. It's just money was not there that was supposed to be there. So it was assumed that these individual post sub postmasters were stealing money somehow or embezzling money. And a lot of a lot of people, 736 ended up being prosecuted because of this. Many went to prison. They were convicted for false accounting. So uh, it's not just as though they were accused of stealing the money, but they were accused of just doing a terrible job at accounting (laughs) and for some reason misplaced that money. I mean, gross negligence is a crime. In and of yeah, itself. Sure. And and this is, you know, we're talking about the post office. These these sub postmasters are kind of like fran- franchisees, you know, running running one individual version of this big system. And you can imagine that the post office wanted the post office itself is the thing, the entity that's prosecuting these people. Mm-hmm. So it's as though McDonald's was uh, prosecuting franchisees who own the McDonald's somewhere in Atlanta. It's it's very similar to that. For fry theft. But here's the deal. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Huge gross, problem. Huge problem. Gross fryglegence. Oh, God. Uh, delicious fryglegence. So, so here's the deal. They For 14 years, they were prosecuting people, and there was a flag that was raised around 2015. And this flag had written on it, hey, I think there might be something wrong with the software that all of these sub postmasters have been using to balance their books. Uh, I think it might not be the individual. I think it might be the software. And there was an inquiry, or at least there was a vote at some point in Parliament to take a look at this to figure out what it what it was, what was happening. That vote, unfortunately, in 2015 got pushed, as in it just, they kind of held off. It didn't go anywhere. And then for the next five, six years, there were just a whole bunch of attorneys, a whole bunch of individuals who were trying to clear the names of these 700 something people that all found themselves in the in the legal system there in the UK with felonies. There are horrible stories that you can read about what happened to individuals, some of whom were pregnant when they were accused of this stuff and ended up having, you know, to go to prison for a little while. Some people who lost their livelihoods, who then walked around with a felony charge on their record uh, for five, six years, sometimes for longer, sometimes for a decade or almost or up to 20 years, really. Uh, Horrible stories you can read. You can find those all over the place. The problem is. This software, which is known as Horizon, H-O-R-I-Z-O-N, it appears that this software, Horizon, was the culprit in many of the scenarios simply because it was not created correctly, at least according to some insiders with Fujitsu, the name of the, that's the company that created it, uh, some insiders who say it was built on top of a platform that wasn't supposed to do what this thing does. So they retrofitted it, right? They tried to, like, they took, they took the, um, for a terrible analogy, uh, they took what would be the skeleton of a really cool whale, and they were like, how do we turn this into something that can run on the land? <laughs> yeah. Very much so. 
Very much so. You can go to computerweekly.com and you can check out an article here called Fujitsu Bosses Knew About Post Office Horizon IT Flaws, says Insider. If you jump to this article, you can see there are several people who were actually project leads for Fujitsu working on Horizon back in the early 2000s, or uh, I guess it was late 90s, early 2000s, who who were trying to raise alarms about how the software was being created and these massive problems that it had. Uh, what, the biggest thing, and it, it, it's difficult for me to explain, maybe it's something we could go to Jonathan with. It would be great to maybe have him come on the show and like walk us through some of this stuff. But there's a layer between the servers, the network servers that are actually processing all the numbers and everything. They're, you know, they live in a server room somewhere in a giant complex. And then on this side, you've got the individual point of sale service. So like the post offices, the individual post offices. And in a lot of ways, in a lot of systems like this, there's a direct connection. It's just like having an internet connection or something. Every time something occurs at the, at the point of sale level, at the post office level, all that information gets transferred over to the main server, and that's where stuff gets logged. It gets logged on both sides, and then everything is backed up on that main server. That's where all the major information is kept. There was a huge issue where with this system, stuff would all end, it would all stay on the post office level. So locally, everything, all the information would get stored locally until some random point at night or when the service wasn't being used, you know, on in a daily service mode, it would then transfer all of the information to the servers. Hmm. And so it's almost like, do you guys remember having any kind of system like that? I, I'm trying to think of an equivalent, Ben and hmm. Noel, uh, where there's just an update that occurs once a day or something. Sure. Sure. Even like, uh, you know, cameras that are offloaded at the end of the day or something like that. Like, uh, like a scheduled event where things are either offloaded onto a server and then the, the local copies are wiped and then rinse and repeat. Or in the old days of podcasting, actually, there would be some platforms and services that would just refresh something on a 24-hour clock. So you could maybe mm. publish something, like, you know, you're publishing your new episode of um, Ben's Crazy Backroads or some other show I just made up, and then... Uh, that, I love that podcast. Thanks, guys. It doesn't matter if that publishes, if you publish it at like 10, it's still not going to really hit until 12.01 or something like that. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Funnily enough, I mean, even like huge companies like Apple, for example, like on their uh, Apple podcast platform, if you make a change as a user, uh, you oftentimes have to ask for a manual refresh, which you can't do yourself. You have to request it. Otherwise, it takes 24 hours for when that re refresh happens. You mm. think with a big company like that, it would happen more re regularly, but it's just like a one time thing every day. Mm. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Well, so that, that was one of the major issues, and that created a lot of problems because sometimes some just the transfer would get a little corrupted if service was interrupted in between, right? So if you're in the middle of a large file transfer, uh, if something occurred to the power, you may lose some data, and mm -hmm. that was a big issue. And that's just one example of a problem that could come there. The other major problem is that with any with any software system like this, 
there should be a essentially a dictionary of entries that are possible. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a point of sale and then you've got a server that's checking everything, you want to make sure that when you send stuff to the server, the server understands what the heck you're talking about, what numbers you're crunching, what all of these things represent. So I'm going to go back to McDonald's really quickly. If you imagine the McDonald's menu just laid out, if you ever looked at one before, and now imagine that the person from whom you're ordering at the, let's say the, the to go window or of the drive through, they've got essentially the same menu in front of them. Only it's represented as a touchscreen with buttons. So when you order something, I can enter in exactly what you're ordering and it's all represented. The machine understands exactly what it is. Everybody who's going to make your food for you, they understand what you're ordering. Everybody's speaking the same language. This is a great comparison, by the way. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, So in this case, they didn't have that layer, that the dictionary of terms. So when one postmaster is entering in, you know, X number of stamps and there was postage with a certain uh, weight that was sent out and all this stuff, they're putting in a, a single entry or multiple entries. There wasn't always a common parlance, a, a common language that was being spoken there to where the, the server, when you, you would have all of these entries for the end of the day, the server would only recognize 95% of them, 92% of them, 98% of them. The other, you know, two to 10%, that it didn't understand, a lot of times it would just throw those entries out as though they didn't exist. It wasn't real. Those weren't actual numbers. So that money would literally disappear. It was just gone. No transactions occurred. Nobody gets billed. It's just done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, but the other thing is, if a transaction did occur and let's say money null came out of your bank account, but it never shows up on the books of the postmaster, the sub postmaster. That means you lost money somehow, but the post office never collects that money, I guess. Or, or it, it, it gets a little weird there to know exactly what occurred on each sub postmasters or under each po- sub postmasters watch. And that's why there were, everybody was being prosecuted individually. And it never seemed to be a massive problem with this, with the software. And you made a really great point, Matt, about the franchisee situation from the start and this McDonald's metaphor that you've carried on throughout <laughs> this story. And I think it absolutely works. Um, but I just want to point out again, when I hear the name Postmaster, what I think in my mind is Postmaster General, which is like a single position over a giant organization. There are hundreds of these Postmaster and Postmistress, by the way, is actually another official name, which seems a little uh, dated, um, but it definitely was in one of the articles in the BBC that I read. Um, so it appears to be the official term they've used, but uh, aren't aren't there aren't a lot of these being walked back now, Matt? And then many of them are being sent back to the courts because essentially talking about jumping to conclusions, that's exactly what happened. As opposed to recognizing a pattern uh, and realizing more quickly and efficiently that this is a problem inherent in the uh, platform, not in a, a, a weirdly out of the blue rash of of embezzlements, you know, throughout the system, right? Yes. As of right now, this is a fairly positive story because many of these individuals' names are being cleared. I think as of three days ago, according to the BBC, there are 555 claimants that in December 2019 agreed to – they the post office agreed to settle with them. So there will be 
a lot of money going back to these individuals. I think, oh, wow, it's 58 million pounds in damage. That's what the post office has agreed to pay. Overall. Overall, yes. And the claimants individually are going to receive around 12 million pounds of that. And that's 555 individuals. So you you do the math there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't mean the uh, those people get the parts of their lives back that were irreparably damaged from the time that they spent as, you know, someone charged with a major crime, like, like theft in that way, basically theft from the government, right? Which is not, doesn't look good on a, on an application. Um, and there are further cases that are being looked at outside of those 555 people. There's something that's so hilarious to me about this. It, it's funny amidst the very tragic thing, because as you said, Matt, these folks will never get that time back, and you can't really put a price on it. Uh, but the thing that's funny to me is that you know at some point there was somebody tracking down these cases who believed there was a nationwide cabal of <laughs> of evil sub-postmasters who were scheming on the government in a really weird easily discernible way. And so this, I I would say this damage to their reputations, damage to these individuals' reputations, uh, isn't just one of like painting them as uh, financial criminals. It's painting them as very incompetent criminals, when in fact it turns out uh, that the Japanese company, which was one of the world's most admired companies, it won an award for it. Uh, it. It was actually their incompetence all along. So glad to see justice served. Glad they're getting better, uh, better settlement terms than TikTok uh, claimants. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still a um, it's still an unfortunate situation all around. And look, people who work at the post office work so insanely hard. Uh, you get a lot of bad press about them in the U.S. because for a very long time, aspects of this country's political structure have been trying to uh, render the post office uh, or have been trying to cripple it and render it extinct for a number of reasons. Uh, But don't believe the anti-post propaganda. You know what I mean? Be nice to your post office person next time you see him. Yeah, totally. Yes, yes. And I'm going to leave you with this. This is something that the BBC ended their article with. Uh, And it's just the fact that All of these people's lives were affected because of faulty software, or at least it appears that that is so. And the post office is settling for millions and millions of pounds with that as as the fact, essentially. Matt, really quickly, did I miss what happened to the money? Did, did Did it ever come back? Was it ever was it never really gone in the first place? It was just a calculating error or was there never actually any money that was was disappeared? Uh, yeah, as a as we were talking about earlier, it was it was money that uh, disappeared off of the books, but individuals were still paid money. It just never made it to the post office. So there was I, missing money. I thought I remembered that. I just wanted to make sure that was super clear. So now they're on the hook for real money. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and it's because of this Horizon software. At least that's what's being alleged. That's what's being settled right now. Um, and that's why there are a lot of other cases. There's there's this thing happening right now in the high courts in in the UK where there are 24, 2,500 other individuals. Mm-hmm. 2,400. 
yeah, 2,400 people or more than that uh, who are attempting to really settle another claim here. And the post office set up, I guess, a fund or, you know, a certain amount of money to then pay out some of those claims, but they are worried they're going to need a lot more. So they're going to seek, seek help from the government itself. Have you seen anything about the post office potentially suing the, the software company? I have not seen that right now because as of right now in the court, in the actual courts, the post office is not. Like there's no individual who made a decision about the software at the post office who's being held to account. There's no individual or group of people at Fujitsu who developed the software being held to account. So I, I don't know. No news right now. I was looking at this too uh, because I think this this news captured uh, all of our attention. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to conspiracy realist Jake was the first person to write to us about this in a happy accident, Jake. We were reading mm-hmm. a lot of the same things. Uh, Post Office Chief Executive Nick Reed is actually one of the main voices who is calling on co- for compensation, which is, I think, speaks really highly to his character. But my other question is, and this is something we, we definitely need to put in the show here, guys. Uh, what is going to replace Horizon? So far, they've said they'll get to a cloud-based service of some sort at this point. But right now, as far as I know, correct me if I'm off here, Matt, as far as the day-to-day life of the sub-postmasters who have not yet gone down for post-fraud, they're still using Horizon, which means two things to me. First, it means there could be other false reports of crime. And then secondly, if there is some villainous, evil sub-postmaster or sub-postmistress out there, although I don't care for the gendering of the words there, if there is someone who is nefarious and unethical in this situation, now's the time, right? Like, now is kind of the time to go. You'll get away with it. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Now's the time to do it. Don't do it. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) I think we may have to revisit this again in the future just to give an update. But for right now, that is what's happening in the news in the UK with the postmaster, sub postmaster generals. It's a very UK uh, heavy episode today. Uh, hey, thank you so much for, yeah, Jake, uh, for alerting us to that. But honestly, I this was me yeah, just reading a bunch of stories trying to figure out what to talk about today. So, but thank you for alerting me. Maybe I thought about it subconsciously while I was Mm-mm. looking at the news today. I don't think so, Matt. The same thing happened happened to me because I I love getting this kind of correspondence. So, Jake, I want you to know when I opened that email, I muttered. God damn it to myself in the happiest way because it meant that all of us are on the same page. So, Matt, I think this is something that was on all three of our minds because this is one of those stories we each wanted to examine. Noel, you had uh, said the same thing earlier. Oh, I was just, uh, I was actually researching this for my listener mail episode. Uh, oh. It was definite, definite parallel thinking. And then I went into our document, our uh, spreadsheet that we shared. And I saw it. And I also uttered a God damn it. It wasn't quite as good natured <laughs> as yours, Ben, but I'm glad we got it out there just the same. And uh, I, I was, you know, prepared to, to discuss it. So very, very, very interesting story and one to follow for sure. Well, sorry, not sorry. If you want to be like Jake, who wrote to us, you can do the same. You can find us all over the place on social media. On Facebook and Twitter, we are Conspiracy Stuff. And on Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. On YouTube, we are Conspiracy Stuff. Whoa, 
Look at that. You can see all the videos that we did way back in the day, all the way up until this week. Check it out. Like and subscribe, I guess, or turn on notifications. I don't know how it works now. You can you can watch our videos if you Are you, you pointing at the bottom of the screen right now when you say that, Matt? Sure. If you are not someone who likes the sip on the suds of social meds, uh, never have a worry. You can always call us directly at our phone line. Uh, we are one eight three three stdwytk 3 minutes. Those minutes are yours. Uh, you'll hear a brief message, and then uh, just pop in. Let us know what's on your mind. Would love to hear uh, what you think of the post office shenanigans, what your opinion of uh, privacy online and TikTok are, and of course, uh, your experiences with things that may or may not be considered cults. Uh, if that three minutes doesn't work, have no fear. Please do not edit yourself. Uh, please tell us the whole story. Don't omit anything. Give yourself a cool nickname too. We always love those. And send us a good old fashioned email where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 